also want to wish you good morning and to uh, thank all those who came Renewal Retreat and the Kriyaban Retreat and the wonderful ceremonies that we had and now for Sunday service. It's really been quite an experience, I think, for all of us. So usually we begin by reading from Whispers from Eternity, but I wanted to read uh, something different today. This is from Master's Book of Poems, Songs of the Soul. I referred to this earlier in the week, but I just thought to share the whole poem by Master because it's very, uh, reflects quite a lot on what we'll be sharing this morning. When I am only a dream, Master says, I come to tell you all of him and the way to encase him in your bosom, and of the discipline that brings his grace. Those of you who have asked me to guide you to my beloved's presence, I warn you through my silently talking mind, or speak to you through a gentle, significant glance, or whisper to you through my love, or loudly dissuade you when you stray away from him, but when I shall become only a memory, or a mental image, or a silently speaking voice, when no earthly call will ever reveal my whereabouts in unplumbed space, when no shallow entreaty or stern stentorian command will bring from me an answer, I will smile in your mind when you are right, and when you are wrong, I will weep, weep through my eyes, dimly peering at you in the dark, and weep through your eyes perchance. And I will whisper to you through your conscience, and I will reason with you through your reason, and I will love all through your love. When you are no longer able to talk with me, read my whispers from eternity, Eternally through it, I will talk to you. Unknown, I will walk by your side and guard you with invisible arms. And as soon as you know my beloved and hear his voice in silence, you will know me again more tangibly than you knew me on this earthly plane. And yet, when I am only a dream to you, I will come to remind you that you too are not but a dream of my heavenly beloved. And when you know you are a dream, as I know now, we will be ever awake in him. So that's the promise of the Guru, eternally, eternally. And so when we ask the question, as our reading focuses on today, can we see God? And first the scriptures very sternly said, no man can see God. But then, can God be seen? Yes, yes, yes. But by who then? By the inner self within each one of us. 
That's the only way. Yogananda said so beautifully, when this I shall die, then shall I know who am I. So the more we just let the veil of the ego, that thin bubble, burst, then we can begin to know who we really are. And we don't know who we are by looking in the mirror. That's just a distorted reflection. We don't know who we are by what other people think of us. That's clouded by their own perception. But what we know, how we know who we are, is by going deep within and experiencing our true self, that inner peace, that inner joy, that undivided love. All of these things are who we really are. And when we know who we are, then we can see God. Then we can see him everywhere. We can see him in the smile of a friend or in the frown of an enemy. We can see him in the car that breaks down in the middle of the freeway. We can see him in the beautiful moments. Speaking of the freeway, we were <laughs> sharing with some friends earlier. Um, one statistician and I were kind of musing who, which one of us would leave the body first. And we have a very dear friend who's a direct disciple of Ananda Moima and who has been very prophetic in our life, that said a lot of things that would happen that did in fact happen. And so we were talking with her, and we were saying, we wonder which one of us will go first. So we were living in Los Angeles at the time with Swamiji and some of our friends there. And so Haripri was visiting, and we said, we wonder which one of us will go first. And she sort of paused and went into that intuitive place within her, very well-developed, and she said, I see you both going into the light at the same time. And Jyotish reflected on that for a minute, and he said, oh, that means Davy will be driving on the LA freeway. <laughs> So we don't go to L.A. much anymore. <laughs> but what is, what is that part of us that can see God? Because that's the whole point, to find that part of us that can see reality. Because each of our lives are burdened with past karma and suffering and confusion and doubt. But that's not who we are. And if we cling to those things, we'll only be stuck in suffering. But if we can say, just as in that affirmation about contentment, it's only by going within and finding that reality that isn't conditioned by anything outside of us that we begin to experience who we really are. And that's really what life is all about. Everything we do, all the gains and losses and decisions and diets and all the things that people do, it's really about finding who we really are. And once we begin doing that, 
the veil, the clouds begin to part, and it becomes quite simple. And you can see things as they really are. And just in that remarkable passage from uh, autobiography, <clears throat> an experience in cosmic consciousness, where Master said, I, I, you know, his vision gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And he, at one point he said, I see all of creation, everything, all, every aspect of creation, like the lights of a city seen at a distance. And then I realized that the center of the imperium of all creation was a point of intuitive perception in the human heart. That's where it all resides. And we, why don't we run towards that with everything we've got to find that point of intuitive perception that can see the truth of the universe? And my friends, just we've ridden on such a wave of inspiration this week in leaving Cling to that one thought. We've given you many techniques and this and that, but cling to the thought. I want to know reality. I want to know truth. And I will give it the best that I have within me. And then we will be able to see the truth in other people, to see the truth around us, and to perceive behind it all the reality of God's presence. So who can see God? Not our personalities or with our eyes. The soul awakened into its own true self. That's who can see God. But then let's ask another question, which isn't asked in this reading. Can God see us? And it's very important to think about this one, too. Because in that probing that thought, we begin to understand we are never alone. We are always in the sight of God. There's a story of three disciples who come to a guru, and they're saying, oh, Master, instruct us. We want to find God. And as often, in the stories of how gurus work with their disciples, it's always a little bit indirect, and you don't know, what are they getting at? And so he gives them each a banana, these three disciples. And he says, OK, uh, you want to see God. First, I want you to take this banana and go to a place where no one can see you, no one. And then you can eat the banana. And they say, oh, and then if you can do that, then I'll give you a, a blessing, and you'll be able to go see God. And they thought, wow, this is easy. And so they run off, the three of them, and the first one just goes to outside of the ashram, kind of a wooded area, and he says, ah, nobody's around. I'll eat my banana now, and he eats it, just 10 minutes, and he runs back to the guru, and the guru says, very good, sit down, sit down. Let's wait for the others. The second one goes, and he said, well, people might be around where I can't see. I'm going into the very outskirts of the village where no one lives, and I know no one will see me there. And this takes him about an hour, and he goes, and he eats his banana, and he very proudly comes back. I did it, Master. I did it. 
And then he, the, the guru said, very good, sit down, let's wait for the third one. And the third person goes, and everywhere she goes, she said, well, I feel somebody's watching me. I, you know, I'm outside the ashram. No, I think there people might be coming. I'm outside the village. No, people might go into the forest. No, a hunter might be coming. And she goes and goes. She can't find a place. She always feels that there's somebody who's possibly watching her. And then finally, after many, many hours, she comes back to the guru and she said, Master, I have failed you. I could never find a place where no one was watching me. And the master blesses her and he said, you have the only one who has understood because God is always watching. There's never a place we can go where he's not seeing us. And in Autobiography of a Yogi, when master meets Sri Teshwar for the first time, you know, he's been praying and praying to find his guru, going here and there to the Himalayas and everywhere in this ashram and that saying, and he, please send me my guru. And then one morning, he just, he said, I prayed until I thought my brain would burst. And then he heard a divine voice say, your master cometh today. And he then he hears that one of the other ashramites uh, call him and say, Makunda, you are wanted to go on an errand with me. And so he, he gets up and he doesn't care. I'm going to meet my guru today. And so he goes on this shopping errands with this other uh, disciple, devotee. And then they're carrying all their bundles and then they pass. You all know the story, but you can see it. No matter, the more you read it, the more it becomes vivid in your mind. And he passes a little, little road, little street, and he sees this very stalwart man standing at the end. And he looks at him and feels drawn, but no, he keeps going, he keeps going. And then he tries to move forward and he's paralyzed, he can't move. And he turns towards that street, he can move, he turns away, and the tears of joy are pouring down his face. And this other devotee says, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? And he throws all the groceries in his arms and he runs. And there is Sri Teshwar, usually very impersonal and stern seemingly. A master falls at his feet and Sri Teshwar says, my own, you have come to me. How many years I have waited for you. He was always watching him, drawing him till that right moment. So God can see, does see, is seeing us every moment. And then the other story in autobiography, materializing a golden palace. We've spoken it earlier in the week when Babaji calls Lahiri. And I wanted to correct myself. I misquoted it earlier in the week when Lahiri, he sees it, he goes up into Drumgiri Mountain and he sees this young, radiant sadhu standing there, but he doesn't recognize him. And he's thinking, oh, I better go down because I have to get to work in the morning. And I misquoted it, but what Babaji says is, Man was, the office was made for man, not man for the office. Well, this gets his attention. He says it in English, paraphrasing the Christian Bible. 
How is that possible? But then again, Papaji says to his disciple Lahiri, you have come to me. I have waited for you for decades. I watched your soul cross the gulf from life to death. And then I watched your little body emerging in this life, sitting on the sands in Benares, meditating, burying yourself under the sands, following you through your adult life, and now you have come to me. We need to understand that the guru is always drawing us, always watching us. He sees us even if we don't see him. We should try, and that's what the whole point of our talk is, of course, try to see him. But he's always watching us and drawing us and loving us. And please, please don't ever think that there's anything you can do that will take the Guru's love away from you, nothing. Nothing you can do, no matter the greatest blunders you can imagine, the Guru loves you unconditionally and eternally and always. And so the Guru is watching, and he's, he or she is calling us. Again, in the autobiography where Master goes to see Ananda Moy Ma, for the, he tells his secretary, Richard Wright, I've never met her before, I don't know her. And he comes, and there's beautiful Ananda Moima, and she sees him. And, she, and she's surrounded by a crowd of her disciples. And she said, Father, you have come. And she goes up to him, which is very uncharacteristic in Indian society. And she puts her arm on him and puts her head on her, his shoulder. And he, he mastered, of course, he's a, an avatar. He knew the whole drama. He knew they had seen each other before. But he just said, uh, my dear mother, you're, I'm taking you away from all your disciples. And she said, Father, I haven't seen you for so many lifetimes. Let, let us just have this moment together. And he knew. He knew they, they had been to known each other. Their souls had known each other before. So the point that I'm making here is as we go forward, as we, we've been in this bubble of light for some days now, or perhaps you've just come today and you share in the bubble of light that this temple is. Sometimes I think it's not really a physical temple, it's just an astral bubble of light. So perfect it is. And Try to go forth with the thought that God is watching you, drawing you every step of the way, bringing you closer until we stand in the presence of Master. And that day will come. And he will say to us, my own, you have come to me. And so let's do our part to see, to come to that moment and I want to close on a more serious note because we've had a wonderful time of inspiration, but now life comes, <laughs> or the outward life, and maybe it hits us in the face, and oh, I have to go to work, and oh, I have to deal with this person, and oh, I can't pay the bills. And how do we hold on to this as we go forward? Yes, remembering the Guru's love, but then, one of my other favorite poems, 
from Master. He was a warrior, you know. He was William the Conqueror, he tells us. He was um, Alfonso and or Ferdinand, St. Ferdinand, excuse me, who was a great Spanish warrior. He was Arjuna. He's a warrior for God. He's not one of, of course, filled with devotion, a prem avatar, love, an incarnation of divine love. But how did he get there? By being a warrior for God. And we need to do that too. So this is, I'll just end with this poem by Master. My soul is marching on. You can almost hear drums. <laughs> and Master appearing with his sword of fire, slashing delusion out of our way. And as a preamble to the poem, Master says, never be discouraged by this motion picture of life. Salvation is for all. Just remember that no matter what happens to you, still your soul is marching on. No matter where you go, your wandering footsteps will lead you back to God. There is no other way to go. That's the preamble, and this is the poem. And just envision Master standing with us, behind us, around us, above us, in armor of, of light with a sword of flame helping us to fight this battle. The poem. The shining stars are sunk in darkness deep. The weary sun is dead at night. The moon's soft smile doth fade anon, but still my soul is marching on. The grinding wheel of time hath crushed full many a life of moon and star and many a brightly smiling morn but still, my soul is marching on. The flowers bloomed, then hid in gloom. The bounty of the trees did cease. Colossal men have come and gone, but still, my soul is marching on. The eons, one by one, are flying. My arrows, one by one, are gone. Dimly, slowly, life is fading. But still, my soul is marching on. Darkness, death, and failures vied. To block my path, they fiercely tried. My fight with jealous nature strong. But still, now say this with me, my soul is marching on. God bless you all. There lived by the banks of a stream A hermit whose prayers chose applause for their theme He gazed at the flowers and he smiled at the sun Then he clapped with delight, Lord, he cried, oh, well done Well done, Lord, oh, very well done The mountains that laugh with the gypsy's clouds The fields smile to welcome the sun All nature sings praises aloud The fields smile to welcome the sun All nature sings praises aloud The trees dance to show their elation A day on God's earth has begun And every true heart in creation 
wonder is found. And every true heart in creation in speechless wonder is found. Well done, Lord, oh, very well done. The joy that you've planted in children's hearts, the thrill known in bearing a son, the hope when a trial departs. The thrill known in bearing a son, the hope when a trial departs. The gladness of men in their labors, of youth in its victories won. Our joys are the proof of your labors. How wonderful, Lord, are your joys are the proof of your labors. How wonderful, Lord, are your hearts. Well done, Lord, oh, very well done. At last I've discovered the mystic key, the world's joy, oh, secretive one, replies to your sweetness in me. One replies to your sweetness in me. For here in my heart lies the answer, your love shedding light like the sun. All life seems to leap like a dancer, when gazing I see only thee. All life seems to leap like a dancer, when gazing I see only thee. I wanted to say something. <laughs> you know, these we have a wonderful choir, many people sing in it. But these four, for the past two and a half years through pandemic, when we couldn't have anybody in the temple, it was just us and the camera. <laughs> they would be in here every week singing. They've gone through serious, some of them have had serious health issues to deal with, but here they are, and the love and the joy that flows through you, we can't thank you enough. Stream, stream, stream. 
the clouds mindless after all or is joy all nature's theme God is dead so men say can't they see all life's display not a church finds him as its own not a creed makes him fully known If we limit him, every atom is his throne. What is love? Is it only us, or does love win? Surely we children of this world could not love by our own powers, powers. What is love? What is love? Is it love?